Welcome from all of us at Albuquerque Reformed Church, a particular congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church located in New Mexico. We thank you for joining us for this week's sermon. For more information about Albuquerque Reformed Church or to contribute to its ministry, visit abqreformed.org. And now, we invite you to open your Bible and listen to the preached word. Have you ever uh, heard you know, someone saying to you that uh, you should not put your faith in faith? You should not put your faith in faith. What do I mean by that? Uh, there are Christians, uh, because they are not well taught, they are not well taught or they are still growing, uh, they, they uh, are still growing uh, in their faith, um, sometimes they put their faith in faith, means uh, they pray about something, they ask the Lord uh, regarding something, they may have some concern, they may have some demand, some request from God, and uh, they ask God, they pray about it, and eventually they start putting their faith in their faith. But Bible teaches that faith has an object. Faith is has an object, and that object is Lord Jesus Christ. And when we ask anything, we ask in His name, if it is His will. Otherwise, you are setting up yourself for disappointment. You ask for something, you dreamed about that, because Jesus said this, so you start asking anything very randomly. Uh, you know, uh, you hardly care about the will of God. It's all about, I want that thing. And eventually, it does not happen, then what happened? You get disappointed. But the Bible shows that faith has an ultimate object, that is, in the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the transfiguration account for Peter, John, and James. It was the first time they saw the glory of the Son of the Eternal God. They had seen him in human likeness and weakness, but, but on that mountain, on that day, they saw the glory of the only begotten Son of God. And his glory was unlike anything they had seen in their whole life. Luke shows us that the appearance of his face was altered and his clothes became white and glistening. Peter, John, and James, they got a taste of heaven on that mountain, even in, uh, even in their mortal bodies or in their humanity, they were able to experience a taste of heaven on that particular day. Disciples were beholding the face of one whom the writer of Hebrews uh, calls as the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person who upholds all things by the word of his power. Now, what we are going to see today is this, that Jesus and his cross is the ultimate object of our faith. Jesus and his cross is the ultimate object of our faith. Now, the passage which we have before us immediately follows the preceding section as Luke begins this section by saying to us, Now, it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain. So what you have before you happened immediately the following day. 
When they had come down from mountain, a great uh, multitude met him. The first thing we see here is Jesus' readiness to receive people. Jesus al- always receives people. He cares about people. He's compassionate. He came to serve them. He came to give his life as a ransom uh, for his people. And uh, we see that Jesus receives all. He is always available. He is always open. And this is not the first time we are seeing this. We have seen the same thing in chapter, uh, in the same chapter from verse 10 onwards on how he received people when it was time for him and his people to rest for a while. And Jesus received all. So Jesus was always willing to receive all with open arms. And even today, he is the same. That means you come to him and he will receive you. Jesus is same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, People languish in their sin and despair. Why? Because they are not willing to come to him. If they come to him, then he will receive them. And he will change them. He will transform them. He is not a weak savior. He is a mighty savior. He is mighty to change. But sometimes people are not willing. So come to Jesus. He heals the brokenhearted and and binds the wounded. Now we see in this passage someone someone coming to Jesus for help. And the help which uh, this person in this asking is no ordinary help. He is not asking for some money or some food or a place to live or something like that. It's not an ordinary help. We see, we see a man from the multitude who cried out who cried out to Jesus saying Teacher, I implore you, look on my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and suddenly, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he forms at the mouth, and it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. Now, the text does not identify the name of the person, who this person is. We don't know or what his title is, whether he's a synagogue ruler or whether he's, uh, you know, someone else. We don't know anything about this. But only one thing that we know is this, that he's a father. And the help which he nega- which he need is in regards to his only son. His only son. And that means he does not have any other child. And, uh, and this is the only child he has. And for a father or for a parent or for any parents, for any parents, their children are precious. For every parent, their children are precious. I don't know about uh, other, you know, others, but uh, if you talk about my father, he will go to any extent to save me if I am in trouble. By hook or crook, if he sees me in trouble... Uh, ideally, you know, you should be ethical, but uh, if he sees me in trouble because he loves me so much that he will go to any extent to save me. And that's how most parents are. And here we have this father uh, who has come to Jesus. He knows that Jesus is the only one who can help him. And that's true uh, for, you know, for everyone or, or that's true for all parents. If their children are in trouble, uh, there is a limit, whether it is a, a psychiatrist or whether it is some kind of medication, some kind of a counseling. 
there is a limit. Maybe you should do all of these things. There is a limit. But ultimately, it's only Jesus who can save our children. Ultimately, it is Jesus who can save our children. And this man realized that no one can save his child from this miserable condition. This child is in real misery. He is in a real miserable condition. Luke shows us that a spirit seizes him. It's like catches him by force. Or in other words, a demon takes over the boy wherever the demon, whenever the demon desires so and make his life miserable. And because the demon is so violent, the boy cries out. It convulses him so that he forms at the mouth and it departs from him with great difficulty bruising him. Imagine the condition of this boy from his childhood. And this is how he was living all these years. Perhaps, uh, uh, yeah, uh, perhaps from his uh, childhood. Uh, Mark shows us that he was like this from his uh, birth. Matthew shows us that the boy suffered from epilepsy. So the question is, is this epilepsy or demonic possession? Because Matthew says that, that this boy suffered from epilepsy. And I think it is both. Not every case of epilepsy is a sign of demonic possession. But in this particular case, the text of the Holy Scripture shows us that either the cause of his epilepsy was demonic, uh, was demonic or the demon was using a physical condition to torment the boy. So either the case, but we don't know. But uh, the text clearly shows us the demon uh, either he was using it or it was due to demonic possession. And this is what demons do. And this is what uh, Satan does. The Bible shows us that he's a wicked one. Bible calls him adversary. He's an adversary. He's accuser of the brethren. He's a wicked one. He's evil. He has come to kill and destroy people. He torments people and that's give him pleasure. You know, this past week, uh, some of you commented on a post which was about an upcoming, uh, upcoming documentary on Satan worshippers seeking to promote uh, Satan worship worldwide. You know, you, they come up with this kind of documentary in today's world. Uh, and, uh, you know, in today's world where we have uh, internet almost everywhere and you can access this kind of documentary, it's going to promote uh, Satan worship. Uh, on a uh, on a uh, uh, on a large scale. Now, I personally do not understand why would anyone would worship Satan. What can Satan give except pain, suffering, misery, death, destruction? There is nothing which a Satan can give, even if he can give some temporary benefits to lure people. Ultimately. He can only give them suffering in hellfire. Mm -hmm. Nothing more than that. He does not have anything. So what's the point in following him? So I personally think that those who worship Satan or want to worship Satan, they don't realize this. That if that, you know, they, uh, they don't realize this thing that uh, they are not getting a taste of their own medicine because God is restraining the Satan from harming them. Actually, they are not getting a taste of their own medicine because 
God is merciful to these Satan worshippers. There is still hope for them that you know they would repent and turn to Him. If He allows Satan, or if He removes that restraint for a time being, they will get a taste of their own medicine. Yes, yes. First of all, the Satan will go after the same worshippers who worship him and destroy their life. Satan is pure evil and his angels torment people merc- mercilessly. And we have seen this in Luke chapter 8, verse 26 onwards, when, where we saw the condition of the man who was possessed by many demons. He was naked, used to live in to- you know, tombs, cut himself and used to scream. That was their condition. And we should tell these guys, maybe, you know, you know, you live in this Western Christianized world where, you know, God has restrained the work of devil to a, to a large extent. Maybe you should get the taste of your own medicine. Then you would realize, you know, yeah, then they would run away. But uh, demons are wicked. They are evil. And uh, there is nothing which they can give uh, to anyone. There is nothing which they can give. They cannot give life and true happiness, but can only destroy lives. But on the contrary, Jesus came to give life and to life in abundance. Whoever comes to him, he gives life in abundance. Sometimes you don't see it easily. Sometimes uh, it's difficult to understand, but he is always working in us. He is always working with us if we are in Christ Jesus. Mark uh, specifically mentions that Jesus asked the father of the boy as to how long since this was happening to him. In the Old Testament, whenever people of God uh, came to priests, the priests asked, inquired, sympathized uh, with those who were sick or afflicted. Uh, And here we see that Jesus uh, sympathized with this boy uh, looking at his condition. He is our faithful high priest. He can sympathize with anyone who comes to him with whatever affliction they are going through. That means he sympathizes with you when you struggle with sin, when you go through affliction, when you go through trials and tribulations. Jesus always receives whoever come to him and he always sympathizes. He is even now, he's interceding on behalf of of us with the Father. He's interceding for us. He's praying for us. Now, What is very different here in this passage is Jesus' indictment of his disciples and the people in general. And that's what very different in this passage. Look at uh, verse uh, 41. For Jesus answered and said, "O O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. Now, commentators are divided here on whom is this indictment spoken about. Some say that Jesus spoke this indictment over his disciples. The disciples of Jesus tried to cast out the demons, but they could not. They were not able to. So some commentators say that this indictment was upon his disciples. But then other commentators take this view that this, that this indictment was upon the Jewish leadership. It was upon the scribes and Pharisees. Luke 9, the parallel passage, Luke 9 shows us that uh, 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 the parallel passage, I think it's in Mark 9, 
uh, it shows us that when, when Jesus came from the mountain to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes were disputing with them. So scribes were disputing with the disciples of Christ. That's uh, Mark 9. And Calvin takes this view based on this verse. Calvin takes this view that this indictment was upon the scribes and Jewish leadership. And I personally think that this indictment was upon his disciples as well as on the scribes. Jesus calls, that's my view, Jesus calls his disciples here faithless because they were truly faithless at times. We have seen this thing earlier in the same gospel. In Luke chapter 8, we saw Jesus going to the other side of the shore with his disciples and suddenly there arose a windstorm in the lake. And what was the response of the disciples? Master, Master, we are perishing. Now these were the same disciples who had seen Jesus ex exercising authority over demons. They had seen him exercising authority over the waters when he summoned uh, hundreds or perhaps thousands of uh, fishes. Fish. They had seen him cleansing the leper, healing the paralytic, raising the dead son of the widow of Nain, and healing multitudes of me uh, people. They had seen his miracles one after another. And but when they were in the uh, in the storm, yes. they stumbled in their faith immediately. And you know what was the irony in that incident? Jesus was with them in the same boat. <laughs> That's the irony. Yeah. Jesus was with them in the same boat, and they were afraid. Master, Master, we are perishing. We are almost about to die. It's the end of the story. And Jesus was sleeping comfortably. In that same boat. Jesus, then what happened? Jesus rebuked the wind and they seized and he asked them, where is your faith? You see that you have seen, we have seen this theme even before. His disciples lacked faith when they were in the storm. They just couldn't continue to trust in him when a new uh, trial or a new storm came in their life. In this case, the disciples were not able to cast out the demon because they lacked faith. So this is the view I think, I, I, this is the thing, or this is the view I take, that the disciples were not able to cast out the demon because they lacked faith. Now, in the same chapter, verse 1, we see that, that there was a day on which Christ had given them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And they went healing and casting out demons everywhere. And now the same disciples fails, failed to cast out the demon from this boy. I personally think that the disciples failed to cast out this demon because they tried to cast out this demon on their own strength. Most likely, they tried to cast this demon on their own strength. They Just now, they got authority and power. And, and this is very similar. Sometimes you see, suddenly, a, a, you know, a person who never had authority and power, he suddenly gets an authority and power. What happens? He, he does not know how to use it. You know, sometimes, who, 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 you know, who, who is not used to, you know, being in leadership position, suddenly becomes a leader or manager. What happens? He immediately starts abusing his employees. It happens in workplaces and sometimes even uh, dictators, you know, presidents. 
they they were just a common common guy or a common person and ne- he was never trained or used to you know be responsible with with power what happens he gets the power and uh, he messes up everything so most likely they try to cast out this demon on their own strength they were more controlled by their passion and position than the glory of their master if you look at verse 46 you will see that one of their discussion points was who would be prominent among them and this was their kind of mindset you know this is how they talk uh, in mark 9 verse 29 when jesus uh, speaks about this demon he says that this kind can come out by nothing but by prayer and fasting the disciples have been with jesus now for almost 2 years but instead of learning deeper spiritual truths they sometimes behaved like children in verse 51 onwards we see another incident where james and john asked jesus if they could fry people because they did not receive jesus you see and jesus asked them uh, you know what kind of what kind of manner or means they don't they do not know what manner of spirit they are so this is why i think that jesus was indicting his disciple as faithless because either they were trying to cast out de- this demon on their own strength instead of faith having its object in the person or work of the messiah or perhaps they were fearful of this violent demon as they were fearful of the raging of the sea mm-hmm. jesus is rebuking his disciples as a mother would rebuke his teenage boy saying son grow up you 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 are no more a 5 or 6 year old child once upon a time you are a child but grow up now you are a teen boy now 13 year old or 14 year old jesus is you know indicting his disciples uh, you are faithless grow up you are with me for more than almost 2 years i have given you authority over power and de- uh, demons but you are not growing up but is this not how we are at times yeah. yes this is you know it's easy to indict the disciples yes. Yes. but is this not how we are at times yes. when satan comes violently violently towards uh, towards you with a discouraging news about our children in difficult situation uh, or we hear a uh, some kind of uh, uncomfortable news or some kind of disaster or a new storm in our life uh, we suddenly feel helpless and uh, powerless and uh, we feel defeated or perhaps uh, you know you have tried uh, to break free yourself uh, from uh, you know difficult addiction or addictions or some besetting sin sin which are too common uh, you tried on your own strength uh, but you have failed mm-hmm. you have tried everything uh maybe a counselor maybe some kind of accountability pastor uh, sorry accountability uh, friend or some kind of a uh, some kind of a uh, procedure or something uh or uh, some kind of a you know freedom pills or whatever you have tried everything but not jesus you have not tr- truly uh, come to him and you fail and we often do this and if you if you do something like that jesus calls you faithless he calls you faithless because you have not trusted in his power to give you deliverance 
and peace. He is the same who has gone to the cross to save you from the power of sin and Satan. He has gone to cross to save you. So how can you not trust him that he will also redeem you? How can you not trust that he will how can you not trust that he will also not give you power over every wiles of the wicked one? Do you know the problem why you often fail in your war with the devil? Because cross is not the center of your life. Because Jesus and his cross is not the center of your life. You try everything in your power, but you do not consider enough the cross, the Christ and his cross. The, uh, the cross is not your focus. The disciples had the same problem. You see that uh, Jesus says to them in verse 44, Let these words sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man is about to be betrayed into the hands of men. Jesus told them a week ago that he is going to be betrayed and killed. And now he reminds them again that he is going to be killed. But they will not get it even after he rises from the dead. They don't get this cross thing. The disciples, they want power stuff. They want every other stuff. But the cross, they do not get it. Even in Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 17 onwards, Matthew shows us that even after he rose again from the dead and showed himself alive, some doubted. They just didn't get it. But all this, uh, these things changes on the day of Pentecost. In John chapter 16, 7, Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Then in verse 14, he continues speaking about the spirit of truth, saying, He will glorify me, for he will take off what is mine and declare it to you. The Holy Spirit was not given to them. So that was one of the reasons they, they never got that. They never got the cross. They never uh, got Jesus exactly who he is and what he came to do for his people. But on the day of Pentecost, after the Spirit descended over his disciples, they were never the same. They were never the same. They were never the same because the Spirit of the, the living God was indwelling his people. They understood everything. Everything what Jesus said to them, they understood everything because the Spirit of God came to indwell His people. We have much more than the disciples had. Not only do we have the Spirit of the living God, if you are in Christ Jesus, but we also have His living Word, the Spirit-inspired Word. His living Word is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And through the living word, you can look at Christ through the eyes of faith when you are stumbling in your walk with Christ, when you are when you're stumbling in your walk with God. So if you are struggling, if you are stumbling, meditate on his word. You cannot just ignore it. You try everything, but I don't want to read my Bible. No, that's, that's not how things work. You try everything, but no, I'm not going to discipline myself. No, you have to discipline. Discipline yourself, uh, read his word, and through his word, 
look look to christ you know one saint has uh, reminded us if you are faithless you know uh, one saint has uh, written in this uh, manner for every look at yourself take 10 looks at christ you know instead of uh, looking at your own abilities and trying on your own and you know thinking about your own sin besetting sin uh, difficulties you go through the saint reminds us for every look at yourself take 10 looks at christ he is altogether lovely such infinite ma- majesty and yet such meekness and grace and all for sinners even the chief live much in the smiles of god bask in his beams beams feel his all seeing eye settled on you in love and repose in his almighty arms see how it is easy sometimes instead of just thinking about your problems instead of just thinking about your own life uh, uh just look at christ for every look you take on yourself take 10 looks at christ christ and his cross his person his work his attributes disciples became mighty in faith after the pentecost and you will be- become mighty in your faith as you continue to cast your cares upon jesus for god has not given you a spirit of fear as uh, as apostle paul reminds us but of power and of love and of sound mind this indictment was also on the jewish leadership who saw many of his works and refused to believe in him so he calls them faithless and perverse generation he calls them perverse generation this indictment was also on the jewish leadership a perverse generation who had seen his mighty works but still will not believe it they had seen with their eyes all this time you know some people say if jesus would just come and speak to me if he would just come and appear before me peter uh john and james uh, and all other disciples they saw jesus but if jesus would come and appear before me then i will believe on him but jesus calls uh this generation they saw all his works they saw him they saw his miracle but he calls them perverse generation why does he calls them perverse because they saw his mighty works but still rejected him and this is true for every generation who sees in the uh, uh, who sees his works in the lives of those who are saved who are saved and transformed but still reject him but his redeeming work will continue no matter how much the devil may try to resist him or try to violently suppress those who try to come to jesus his elect will continue to come to faith in jesus christ notice in verse 42 that as the boy was coming to jesus the demon made a last attempt to destroy him by throwing him down and convulsing him that's how demons are when they see anyone come uh, come to jesus coming to jesus they try all the more to suppress that walk towards jesus and this is why you see so much of violence against christians throughout the world that's the primary reason because you know they don't want anyone to come to jesus the demons the satan and his angels they do not want the they do not want anyone to come to jesus so they they become more violent here the demon try to destroy the boy or perhaps kill the boy 
uh, as uh, he was coming to Jesus. But Jesus just rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the child and gave him back to his father. Just a word and the boy is free. That's it. Just a word. His one word fells the kingdom of darkness. His one word fells the kingdom of Satan. Demons just cannot resist him. He is the victorious king. He is the God-man who is, who is king, eternal, immortal, invisible, all-wise and knowing God. Mighty to save his people. He is mighty to destroy every plan and purpose of the wicked one. His kingdom is unstoppable. And we are mighty in, in him to bring down every stronghold in his name. So if you are in Christ Jesus, if you have put your trust in him, then in him you are more than conquerors. You are mighty. There is no wiles of the, uh, there is no wiles of the wicked one which you need to fear. You are more than conquerors. So continue to trust in him. And we, when we say trust in him, that means uh, trust uh, in his plans for your life. And uh, when you ask anything in prayer, when you are going through the storms of your life, Lord, uh, give me victory over it, victory over this. According to your own will, you have promised to hear me. Let us continue to trust in his name to bring down every stronghold which comes your way as we pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, what a uh, joy and privilege for us to hear your word week after week. It is a pure delight and a treat that we could hear the word of the living word. Lord, we uh, thank you for our Savior who loved us and gave himself for us, who gladly went to the cross so that we could have life, and that too, life in abundance. But Lord, often we miss the joy and beauty of Christian life because often we try to solve all our problems in our own strength and hardly we consider what Jesus has done for us and what promises and what privileges remains for us in the gospel. Often we forget this truth. Often we, often we are not focused on the cross. So Lord, we pray that you would continue to work in us, that uh, you would create a clean heart and uh, you would uh, give us a, uh, uh, you would renew our hearts and minds that we would uh, constantly receive your word. We would constantly trust in our Savior and in his plans for us and that in him we would be more than conquerors. In him we would bring down every strongholds in our lives. Lord, we pray that you would continue to bless us and uh, you would uh, continue to make your face to shine upon us. We ask this prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. If you were blessed by this sermon, we invite you to visit us at abqreformed.org, where you'll find more information about our ministry. We look forward to you joining us again, online or in person. Until then, may peace, comfort, and grace be given to you through our Lord Jesus Christ.